purchased for your benefit. We're going to be utilizing this book in kind of two ways. One, we're pretty much going to be going through the chapters in the same way the book does, looking at the topics that the book does. Um, <clears throat> although we're going to be using different material, kind of source material, stuff like Wayne Grudem. Um, we're going to be using um, alternative commentaries, looking at the topics, particularly of doctrine specifically, and also using this book, um, kind of dipping in and dipping out. So you might hear references from the book. Hopefully, it's just going to help. That's what our desire and our intention is as we go through this series. So, um, Did I mention last week what we're doing this week? I did. I'm just wondering if you're listening. Um, okay, I know someone is. Paul Daper definitely is. I'm going to give, give him a big shout out. Because I give, gave him a shout out last week. He weren't here, but he listened to the podcast. And he was like, oh, Rob, you gave me a shout out. I was like, yeah, for real, bro. Um, big up yourself. And um, so I'm going to shout him again because he was like, oh, I'm looking forward to next week because you're dealing with justification. That's our topic today, justification. And um, justification is one of the issues or or I should say um, elements of doctrine that is quite fundamental and foundational to all doctrine. That's why we're dealing with it initially, looking at it first of all. Now, just to kind of begin to lead us into the topic today, how many of you know um, this song is, is quite a well-known song by a couple of really well-known artists? I'll put the lyrics up. Um, here they are. And <clears throat> I just want to read from the chorus of this current well-known song. It's by Eminem and Ed Sheeran. And the chorus goes, I've been a liar, been a thief, been a lover, been a cheat. All my sins need holy water. Feel it washing over me. And um, is that what our sins need? Holy water. And I'm saying... Um, chorus goes on to say, well, little one, I don't want to admit to something if it's gonna, if all it's going to do is cause pain. Truth from my lies right now are falling like the rain, so let the river run. Is Ed Sheeran right as he sings the hook? Um, Job asks a question that's very similar to this, and the question he asks is, at least my question in light of the song, um, he asks this question. He says, how can a person be justified before God? Again, is it holy water that cleanses a person and makes them just before God? That's the Christian Standard Bible version. Another version, the ESV says, how can a man or woman be in the right before God? Which is kind of really driving towards what this word justified means another translation the nlt the new living translation says how can a person be declared innocent in god's sight well the bible has a different response in comparison to holy water will you join with me as i as i pray father thank you <clears throat> there's loads of questions lord that are being asked <clears throat> I said being asked, historically, that have been asked in the past, questions that will be asked in the future, and questions that people are asking currently, whether they're the person on the 13th floor, like Pastor E mentioned, just living across the, the green there, or Lord is uh, like an unknown person, or whether it's 
It's a rapper like Kanye asking a question and trying to think for himself personally. Thank you, Lord God, that um, even though people like Ed Sheeran and <laughs> Eminem are trying to give us answers, Lord, really, um, you give us fundamentally the, not only the answer, the, the true answer, the ultimate answer to all of life's questions. And we thank you for that. And that's why we're here today, partially, to hear from you in order that, Lord, you might guide our steps. And we know that as you do that, according to your word, our, f our feet might slip and slide, but we will still continue to move forward in a way that is not only purposeful, <laughs> but it's helpfully in the right direction. Lord, we may not, we may not be um, the fastest runner on the track, really, not even the track, but the course, because the Christian life ain't a dash. It's not a hundred meter sprint, it's a marathon. And we thank you that, Lord, you guide our steps because you lead us in the way of truth. Lord, enlighten us, um, teach us, According to your way, even today, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> with reference to justification and this little big word, right? Um, here's a definition. And the definition is a good one because it comes from a guy called James Buchanan. And James Buchanan lived about 100 odd years ago. And he probably wrote the most extensive piece of work in the past century on this topic of justification. And here's his definition. Justification. By justification, we mean man's acceptance with God or his or her being regarded and treated as righteous in his sight as the object of his favor and not of his wrath, of his blessing and not of his curse. Justification is a legal or forensic term and is used in scripture to denote the acceptance of anyone as righteous in the sight of God. Historically, the importance of this doctrine, as I mentioned, is fundamental. You guys heard of a guy called Martin Luther? All right, so not Martin Luther King Jr., like more recently, but more historically speaking, Martin Luther, and I love this picture for it. Martin Luther, the German reformer. See that, pic see that picture there? Jeez, my man. Serious guy, you know. <laughs> well, Martin Luther says this about justification. He says, the article, the article, right, not to be confused with the event, right, the article <clears throat> upon which the church stands or falls, it might be argued that the event is what? What's the event that kind of really the whole of Christianity stands and falls on? A couple different, amen, death and resurrection. You know what I'm saying? Like the resurrection, if you, if you can, if you can um, prove the resurrection to be false, then everything collapses, you know what I'm saying? But not the event, but the article, right? upon which the church stands or falls, you know what I'm saying, justification. The article, the article upon which you or I stand or fall, justification. Calvin, he says about justification, he says it's the hinge upon which salvation hangs. Now, if you know anything about doors, 
You know that the hinges are, <laughs> are vital. And they're real hard to put up if you ever try to dig out the wall and put up a door. Oh my goodness. You need skill. But, see how important, at least from Calvin's point of view, this issue of justification is. Then there's another guy, a bit more contemporary to us. J.I. Packer. Some of you may have heard of him. Um, he gives this illustration of um, justification being, he talks about Atlas, that's the dude who's holding up the, 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 the globe, right? Um, holding up the weight of the world on his shoulders. He says, <coughs> quote, for the doctrine of justification by faith is like Atlas. It bears a world on its shoulders, the entire evangelical knowledge of saving grace. The doctrines of election, effectual calling, regeneration, repentance, and adoption. Some, we're going to talk about some of these in the weeks to come. Of prayer, of the church, the ministry, and the sacraments have all to be interpreted and understood in the light of justification by faith. When justification falls, all true knowledge of the grace of God in human life fall with it. And then, as Luther said, which we just quoted, the church itself falls. When Atlas falls, everything that rested on his shoulders comes crashing down too. Does it sound as if this issue of justification is important? Okay, well, going back to the time of the Reformation, well, the Reformers had a few points with regards to this issue of <coughs> justification. And this is the exposition of justification, and it's boiled down to the following seven points. I'm just going to read them out briefly, and then we're going to try and look at them. Number one, every man faces, or woman, the judgment seat of God and must answer to God for himself. The church cannot shield him from this. It's funny, isn't it? Because Dean was talking about how often we talk about a relationship with God and maybe not so much our relationship with one another, the vertical as opposed to the horizontal. When the vertical's right, the horizontal's right. But we may not kind of emphasis or emphasize or talk about it that much. In, I suppose in similar fashion, this whole thing about um, the church not being able to shield us from God's judgment. Sometimes you can come into the community and be like, I'm so well related to everybody that everything is cool. But then have to stand before God and then it's a different matter. It's scary, right? Um, but an important point, the church cannot shield you or me. It's a bit like holding on to the, the, the coattails of, of mom and dad's faith. Like Beatrice is here trying to work out our salvation. She, you know what I'm saying? Ma like <laughs> Mama Shirley can't, can't take her in. You know what I'm saying? And can't give her a bring in. You know what I mean? She's got to have, got, they say God has no grandkids, right? So, <clears throat> um, number two, every man is a sinner by nature and practice. A nonconformist, so far as God's law is concerned, basically don't keep God's law, and therefore can only expect God's wrath and rejection. Oh. Number three, justification is God's judicial act of pardoning the guilty sinner, accept, accept, accepting him righteous and receiving him as a son. Number four, the source of justification is grace, not human effort or initiative. 
5, the ground of justification is Christ's vicarious righteousness and blood shedding, not our own merit. Number six, the means of justification here and now is faith in Christ Jesus. And then number seven, the fruit of faith, the evidence of its reality is a manifested repentance and a life of good works. So first of all, looking at the meaning, because this falls, those seven fall down into, into four different categories, meaning, method, means, and the marks. And you see a couple of those actually highlighted in the book. Did I mention the book? Did you, did you get your copy of the book? All right, help us out. I mean, partly for your benefit, but partly carboy. It's me who said, you know what, let's get these books, you know, for the church. Was it Harry? I can't remember. Harry, you know, it's, it's the, um, it's the, what is, what is she? What, 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 ain't, what doesn't Harriet do? The, the bookkeeper in her was like, Pastor Rob, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to have to cover the cost of these books. And da, 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 da. I was like, yeah, for real. So help me, innit? Don't make Harriet have to come looking for me and say, Pastor Rob. And then next time we can't have no books. Come on now. So, <sighs> number one, the meaning of justification. So every man or woman faces the judgment seat of God and must answer to God for himself. The church cannot shield him from this. And I suppose this answers the question, why is there a need for justification, right? Well, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, quite a well-known verse, it says, and just as it is appointed for man, mankind, to die how often? Only once. And then after this reincarnation? Well, of a sort, you know what I'm saying? Reincarnation, coming back to life, yes, but not back on the earth as an ant, right? Or as a, as a billionaire, but depending on how you lived your previous life. It don't really work like that. It's actually judgment. We're going to have to stand before God. Revelation chapter 20, again, reiterating um, a similar argument. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Now, this is the judgment that you don't want to be at. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing rich and poor, right, old and young, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And notice, you know what I'm saying, the, the, this particular point. Oh, let me keep reading. Verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he or she was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, to say that this should leave, leave us sober and in a, even in a state of fear and trembling is probably an understatement, right? So this is, you see, you see the need for justification? Now, still under meaning, number two, every man is a sinner by nature and practice, 
a non-conformist so far as God's law is concerned and therefore can only expect God's wrath and rejection, if you like, at that judgment, if justification isn't accessed, right? So Romans 5 says, therefore, and this is going to explain the, the fact that we by nature are sinners. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, who was that one man? Adam, and death through sin, and notice, and so death did what? It spread to all men like an infection, right? Which none of us can say that we are without, because all, and the proof is in the pudding, because all have sinned, right? By nature and practice. Romans 3 says, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. You'd be like, there must be. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good. N not even one. And that is obviously in a perfect sense. It doesn't mean that you can't give to charity. You don't love your kids or no, this is in a perfect sense, right? No one. Verse 23 says, Romans 3, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, or fall short of God's perfect standard, right? We do it all the time, don't we? Put your hand up if you haven't sinned, right? Never ever seen anyone put their hand up. Not if they're honest. Not if they're on it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> did, someone, did, did someone? No, I lied. It must have been one of the kids, right? <laughs> Amen. I suppose that, pro that, can, that proves the point, doesn't it? Um, but notice, there's more. Apart from the fact that men and women are sinners, um, which is, I mean, if that weren't bad enough, if that weren't bad enough, on top of that, there's a penalty to pay. Right? Romans 6, as Roman con Romans continues, looking at the meaning, says, for the wages of sin, oh my gosh, is death, but it's, it's a physical death, but it's also a spiritual death. Romans 1 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. You know, in, 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 um, I know it's one of Pastor E's favorite books when it comes to evangelism. In the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that um, God has placed eternity in the hearts of all individuals. That's why sharing the gospel shouldn't be a hard sell. Like we've got to really like, you know what I mean, shout at people to convince them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or, or spend hours trying to wrestle them to the ground. No, we can just share the gospel knowing that even though they front and they make out like, no, I'm not interested and no, I don't care and it don't bother me. And I don't even believe that God exists anyway. Even when people respond to that, respond in that fashion, they're not being honest. They're not being true to themselves. What they're doing is they're basically suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And our friend Duncan Forbes, he's got this illustration where he talks about a cork. You know, corks, you try and put them under water. You might hold it down for a little while, but then it slips, it slips out your hand and it pops up. That's our conscience. That's how it works. Our conscience even accuse us although we may not always agree with it and we may not even communicate that, but we know when we go to bed at night time, put our head on the pillow, you know what I mean? That's all, that's, again, it's the putting your hand up if you ain't a sinner. It's just being honest, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
our hearts will immediately concur with the truth of Scripture. And then again, the terrifying fear of the fact that God will then judge. It's a scary thought. <clears throat> so man has sinned, and there's a judgment that follows, which is death. <sighs> and then a spiritual death, potentially. And every individual must stand before the judge and give an account for breaking God's laws. And the penalty for sin is death. Now, how many of you know that's bad news? You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I, I remember, you, remember you, you might have might have heard this, like, like people would be like, oh, you talk about the coming of Christ. You, you talk about the end of the world. Oh, you talk about, you know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus is coming back. You know what I mean? I remember Corey read out this tune, and there was this little skit, Jesus is coming back. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mocking. Um, it's like, I don't even push that too hard. I'd be just like, okay. Jesus, he may not come back in our lifetime, innit? But that's, but that's the point. In our lifetime, there's going to come a point where your life, God is going to call time. And I'm saying, and there's no debate in that. And I'm saying, and, and, and are you prepared for what is on the other side? <laughs> like mad scare, mad gospel scare tactics, you know. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, in the light of what we're looking at, this is bad news. To know that we're going to have to stand before God and give an account and then know that we're sinners and then have to face judgment. Now, man is evidently in drastic need, how many of you know, of intervention? Well, what does God do then as a result of this bad news? Well, justification. Justification. Our third point is justification is God's judicial act of pardoning the guilty sinner, accepting him or her um, as righteous and receiving them as a son, as a child of God. Now, I'm not going to deal with the, the receiving him or her as a, as a child of God or as a son. We'll do that next week. But this whole thing about God's judicial act of pardoning. So Romans chapter 8 says, For God has done incredible what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. So I can't keep, if you, 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 you could be righteous if you could keep the law perfectly. But that's the problem. We can't, right? Because of our, the weakness in us. And again, it's that infection. And, <clears throat> and when we come up to the law, the law just beats us down. Like baseball bat hard, beats us down. You know what I'm saying? Because the flesh ain't able by sen but, but notice what God has done, verse 3. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 4, in, why? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, where? In, in us. But we can't do it. But God provides a means through which it can be done for us and even in us, to the point where God can see us like he sees Jesus. You see, you've got the law or God's standards, and the thing is, Jesus is perfect, right? It's not just that he never lied, breaking the ninth commandment, right? But Jesus, he spoke the truth, right? And he used his words so kindly. And he was kind, but he was at the same time honest, right? 
He was perfect in that sense. It's not just that Jesus didn't kill anyone breaking the sixth commandment. He did the antithesis. He gave life, didn't he? Literally and metaphorically. It's not just that Jesus didn't curse God breaking the third commandment. What he did was he always spoke. Not only spoke, but he thought, which is incredible to me. My mind is, you know what I'm saying, I can't even get the arms of my mind around the fact that not only did Jesus not speak out of turn, he didn't think out of turn. And as a result, he lived in a way that was perfect, perfectly honoring of God the Father. Remember at Jesus' baptism, the voice of the Father says, "Hmm, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus who perfectly kept the law, making him the perfect sinless sacrifice like Dean said. He's punished in our place. Jesus becomes sin. God then gives us Christ's righteousness. So it's like Jesus takes our sin and then he gives us his righteousness. In exchange for our sinfulness, we obtain the righteousness of God in Christ. Therefore, it's as if we fulfilled the law perfectly. It's it's, it's what they call the theologians call the divine exchange. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, For for our sake, he, Father, God, made him to be sin who knew no sin, Jesus, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This This is how God can be just and the justifier. He's just because he, God ain't going to overlook sin. But he deals with it, but he don't deal, deal with you and me where this is what we deserve. He does that to Jesus because he stands in our place and he takes what we deserve, doesn't he? This is how God can be just and the justifier. So Romans 4, 1 to 8 says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified, there's our word, by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For um, Because we already established we can't keep the law, right? So, and people will be like, oh, okay, I realize I've broken God's law. All right, I'm going to turn over a new page. I'm going to keep the law from now. You can't. But if you did, you still have to deal with the, the issue of your backlog. You know what I'm saying? That's still, ha- <laughs> still has this, like, it's a problem, our sin. And God don't overlook it. He deals with it. And in the sense that because we've already sinned, we cannot now justify ourselves. Because if we did, then we could boast about it. But even if I, like I said, even if I turned over a new leaf for the next 30, 40 years, if I had the grace to live that long, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to flop. And I'm going to fail. And I will break the law. In the same way that I did previously. And this verse, for if Abraham was justified by works which he wasn't, which we can neither be, as I just illustrated, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Verse 3, for what does the scripture say? 
Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. It doesn't say that Abraham tried to pull up his socks or straighten his tie or said, all right, God, I'm going to give you tithes, which he did. But, you know I'm saying? He wasn't made righteous on that basis. And remember, righteousness was used in our definition with reference to justification. If, you're, if you've been justified, you have been made righteous. So Abraham was made righteous or justified, but not by his works, by keeping the law. We already established that we've broken it, so don't have to try to keep it because you can't and you won't. I'm driving home the point because we're saved by grace through faith. And I'll come to that. So for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now you might be like, boy, some people are like, that's, they say that's greasy great, greasy grace. Like, that's just too simple. It's too easy. But like I said, we already argued that the alternative is not even an option. So what are you going to do? You can't work for it because you're already flopped. And you are and I am sinners. So then what do we do? Well, it's as easy as believing God and having it credited or accounted to you, imputed to you as righteousness. Verse 4, for to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies, no, it's not the godly, you know. That's why I'm so encouraged, I mean, by this topic. God doesn't justify the godly. What that says is, again, if you're here for the first time and you're wondering, okay, how do I get right with God? Do I need to come to church? Do I need to read my Bible? Do I need to give tithes? Do I need to, what do I need to do? Do I need to climb the steps of St. Peter's, you know what I'm saying, on my knees and say an our father every time I go up one of those steps, which is what people do. Currently, not even historically. Historically, currently. What do I need to do? Well, you have to be ungodly. <laughs> that's what you do. That's, that's what you be to qualify. Now, imagine if I said, all right, put your hand up if you're ungodly. You know what I mean? I know that everyone would respond if you're honest. You know what I'm saying? If you didn't put your hand up before, you know what I'm saying? You should put your hand up this time around. You know what I mean? And isn't, isn't that good news? That God, to the one who doesn't work, that means this is not something that you can, oh, you know what? Imagine if I buy you a present and I give you a present. Yeah? The last thing you're going to do, I don't know, what would you like for, for your birthday? When, when's your birthday? March. Oh. <laughs> Pass and gone. <laughs> At least for this year, right? You know what I'm saying? But if I was going to give you a gift and I gave you, I don't know, what would you like? Let's say if, if you had the opportunity. Trainers. What's with young people and trainers? <laughs> but you know, I like trainers too, so I can't even lie. Trainers. So if I, was to, if I was to give you a pair of trainers, right? I don't know, a pair of 95s or 97s or a pair of Jordans or, you know what I mean? And... Would you say, what would you say to me if I did that and I gave it to you? What would you say? You'd just say, thank you, innit? Would you then say, just give me five minutes. I'm just going to go around to Sainsbury's. There's a cash point right there. I'm going to get some money and bring it and give it to you. Would you do that? That, sound, that sounds senseless, doesn't it? Why? Because it's a gift. You know what I mean? 
And a gift is not something that you work for, but something that you receive. But it takes humility to receive a gift, doesn't it? You know what I'm saying? And here, verse 5 says, not only does it take a humility and a recognition of the fact that it's a gift and not something you can work for, you also have to be ungodly. And I love that because I qualify. That person's faith is counted as righteousness. Wow. Verse 7, he goes on to say, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man or woman against whom the Lord will not count his or her sin. How wonderful is that? How relieving is that? How beautiful is that? Especially when you realize, you know, I tried this. Like even up to last night, you'd be like, Lord. And I'm saying, Lord, trust me, Lord, I won't do it again. I'm saying knowing that within a week or two. Isn't it wonderful to know that God won't count your sin against you? Okay. Now, the next three, I'm going to try and tackle all at the same time. Because I think the verses of text kind of touch on here and touch on there. And you'll see what I mean as we read through. So, we just looked at the means... Sorry, we looked at, forgive me, we looked at, thank you, Bertram, you're taking notes. We looked at the meaning, we looked at the method, now we're looking at the means through which justification is brought about. So number, f- number four, five, and six under the means, the source of justification is grace. Not human effort or initiative. Already started looking at that. The ground of justification is Christ's vicarious righteousness. That's him standing in your place. And, 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 and blood shedding. Not, not our own merit. Number six, the means of justification here and now is faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter three. says, now, the, now we know that whatever the law says... It speaks to those who are under the law, right? So that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Now, is there anyone that's above the law? No, there ain't. So everybody is under the law, you know what I'm saying? And right there, it says the whole world, right? Everyone is accountable. Verse 24, by works of the law, no human being will be justified or made righteous, or seen as innocent in God's sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So what a revelation that is. The Old Testament law is not there for us. Okay, you know what? The first commandment says you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, spirit. Second commandment says what? You shall have no other gods before me, neither shall you make any idols or bow down to them. We looked at the third one. The third commandment is... Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, and so on, right? Those commandments, they're not there for you to now try and keep them, although we should keep them. But we don't keep them in order to be justified. Okay, well, I've kept the law. Lord, I read my Bible today. I've done that because this is the trap you get in. I did all, you know, like Dean, like Dean led devotions this morning. He led communion this morning. Brother could be high like a, like step out the building floating. You know what I mean? Because he's, he's been very spiritual now. Nah, 
I don't know if, if, you, ha- if you haven't experienced this, like, I, like you're living in a different world to me at least. You know what I mean? But you have good days, and them good days you feel like the Lord's, like the sun is shining, the Lord is smiling on me. You know what I mean? But then, when, what happens when you, what happens, NAP, you, don't, you know what I'm saying? What happens when you have a bad day? What's that cartoon character? Stones. The storms. And it, you, you get that cartoon character. This is what I'm thinking of. I can't remember. Is, is it Snoopy? I can't remember. But he walks around. He's got this perpetual cloud that follows him. Is who? Charlie Brown. And that's how you, when you've had a bad day, oh my gosh. You know, the last thing you want to talk about is God. The last thing you want to see is the Bible. You know what I mean? The last thing you want to do is come church. <laughs> Boy, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being honest. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm saying the purpose of the law, verse 20, Romans 3, is to basically just show you that and show me that we're sinners. So we look at it like you look in a, like you look in the mirror, you know what I'm saying? You look in the mirror, and as you look in the mirror, the mirror normally gives you a, a reflection of who you are. Well, the Bible, James says, the Bible's like a mirror. And when you look in it, it don't, it don't reflect back what you, what, what does it? <laughs> it does a number of things. So, so when you look in the mirror of God's word, like you look in a regular mirror, you see your faults. Again, that's why we don't really want to look at it. And you see your faults. But what also the Bible does is, the Bible shows you what you're supposed to look like. You know what I mean? It's like mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And it's like, it's not you. It's Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this is what you're supposed to look like, like Jesus, right? And, 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 and that's what the law does. You look at the law and you're like, oh my gosh. Oh my God. You can't even look. Oh my God. You, you look away, right? Like you look in your face, you've got sleep in your eye. You got, if, you got, if you dribble, you've got dribble running, like all, all dry and flaky down the side of your mouth. Your hair's all disheveled, da 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 da. That's, and, and that's what the law does. You look at the law and it says, this is what you look like, and it's not pretty. That's, that's the purpose of the law, right? Romans 3 goes, goes on, verse 21, it says, <clears throat> But the righteousness, now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. So the law shows you that you're unrighteous. It's not saying, try and keep me to be righteous, right? So look, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. So you want to be righteous, don't think law, is what that verse is saying. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, right? Because the law is the perfect standard that shows you a perfect picture of who God is. That's basically what the law does, right? Verse 22, the righteous, if you want to talk righteousness now, the righteousness of God, it doesn't come through the law, but through faith in, in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Again, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified or made righteous by his grace, notice, as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. That's a big fancy word for two things. One, Jesus took, like I said earlier, the beating for you and me. But, and, and what that did was, that meant I didn't have to take the beating. It's like Jesus jumped in the, in the way of the bullet for me. Yeah. But then also, it, 
because God's wrath was coming for me, but also what it does is it, it turns God's kindness and favor in my direction now. It does them two things. It's, 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 a, it's a big, it's, it's, it's a little big word. Propitiation. By his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might, as I said earlier, be just in dealing with sin and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. He deals with our sins because he's just, but he also then justifies us like this is incredible. This is good news. This is the gospel. Verse 27 goes on and says, then what becomes of our boasting? Well, who's going to boast if you know that you got righteousness apart from your own good works, apart from keeping the law? Where's boasting? It's excluded, right? By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Now, you might hear this, you'd be like, okay, I can see that you're building an argument there on the basis of what justification means. Like, you know how, how unique this is? That is to contemporary thinking and also even to religious thinking. The fact that you can be justified on the basis of someone taking the punishment for you. It's like, this is really, un this is unique to the Bible. You're not going to find this in, every, in, in any other religion. Romans 5 goes on, talking about the means through which we receive this justification. It says, for while we were still weak. I remember when me and Dee went through this years back, isn't it, bro? Remember? For while we were still weak, again, ungodly, right? Uncapable, incapable of keeping the law. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Like, it's rare you're going to get someone. Like, you've got someone who's a good person. Who's ready to go die for them? It might, it might, might happen. Like, I know Pastor E would take a bullet for me still. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, by, and vice versa. You know? But who's going to die for someone who's a wretch? Someone who's wicked and bad. I'm, you know what I'm who's going to do that? You're just about going to do it for someone who's good. But for someone who's bad? Notice, but though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God, notice, God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What kind of love is that? Since that's, well, that's unconditional love. And it's not conditional. Well, if you do this, then I'll do that. You know what I'm saying? Well, if you do your hair, like my wife, if you do your hair, you know what I'm saying, and get your nails done, no, it's not like that, though, is it? We're like, we're like, oh, please, no, don't get your hair done. Don't get your nails done every month. You know what I'm saying? Or every two weeks. I don't know where some of you ladies are at, you know? <laughs> I know some, I know, I know some, we've got some high-maintenance girls out here, boy. 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 Right. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's Bertrand. I'm not gonna digress. Um, but I think I already digressed. 
I don't love my wife just because of the way she looks. Ah, oh, you look for I lost my train of thought. You know, I thought I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, I don't love my wife just because of the way she looks. Amen. That's fickle. Even though I'm tempted to do that. You, you ever tempted to do that, fellas? You be like, you know what? I ain't really feeling my wife because, boy, she ain't really looking so good. Where's Denzel? Denzel. Denzel, you ain't had time to have them thoughts just yet. You're, you're just coming to this thing. You know what I mean? But, you know what? I'm, I'm just, it's, it's just real talk. What can I say? Real talk. And the same, and the same dangerous territory. Ladies, ladies, do you love your man just because he looks good? No, let me, let, let, let me repeat that. Let me repeat that. Do you, ladies, do you love your husbands just because he looks good? Oh, amen. Praise them. All right, now I can move on. Right, okay. But I'm just saying, I'm saying, now, you see what can't, in it, can we just turn, turn the, um, the temperature down a little? <laughs> turn it down. Literally and metaphorically, let's, let's turn the temperature down, yeah? But notice what I'm saying, verse 9, like this, I'm making a point on the text, come on now. I'm trying to help us to see how much God loves us. Because God ain't like, well, you know what, you're having a bad hair day, so I ain't really got no love for you. If anything, it's because we are, we're, 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 we're incapable, it's because we're ugly. It's because we're weak that he did this, verse 9, since therefore, verse 8, but God, sh- oh, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were ugly, Christ died for us. Since therefore, verse 9, we have now been justified by his blood graciously, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Again, that's that propitiation, the two things happening at the same time. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled, to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You see, through whom, you see the means? Through Jesus. And our last point, the fruit of faith. The evidence of its reality. Has it really happened? Well, if it has, it's manifested in repentance and a life of good works. That is the person that has been justified. And I'm saying these are now the marks of the individual that has been justified. One of my favorite verses, um, they say it's not healthy to have favorite verses, you know what I'm saying, because... You know what I'm saying? Um, that's like saying, I just like chicken. Because Matthew 4 says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right? So it's not good to say. But this verse is wonderful. Oh my gosh. Isn't this wonderful? Like, read in your mind along with me. Therefore, since we have been, oh, what? Justified How? By works, by faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you might look at that and think, oh, Robert, that's one of the means. Yes, it is, but no, it isn't. Can you see that there's a passive response? Because we're talking about the marks, what we're going to see now in the life of the individual that's been justified, right? There's this passive response. What's the passive response there? It's something that happens not because of anything we've done. Peace. You know what I'm saying? That's something that you appreciate, you've received. You don't do anything to obtain that apart from receiving Christ and with justification, with now being able to stand before God, not just at the judgment, oh my gosh, at the judgment, but even now. You know what I'm saying? There's a, whew, I mean, you wipe the, 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 the sweat off your brow in like, whew, few, no judgment. How many of you know there's an element of peace that's attached to that? What? Before it was fear and trembling, even though we do work out our salvation with fear and trembling, there's not this terror. You know what I'm saying? God has, we've been saved from the wrath of God, it says in Thessalonians. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we now have this peace that comes, if you like, passively to us. But it comes from God. It's not something that we do, right? But it's one of the marks. Of a, of a justified individual, of a righteous individual. And that, f- that affects our, rela- again, like Dean said, that affects our relationship with God. Now I've got peace with God. I can take communion, understanding that it represents Jesus shedding his blood for me in order that I might be reconciled to him, in order that I might be justified, right? <clears throat> we have peace now with God. And also, w- with, with this peace comes access, because I'm like, wow, I've been reconciled to God. So let me take advantage of that, innit? This puts a different twist on prayer. Oh, you've got to pray. You know, you gotta, you know you're a Christian, you should be praying. Huh. You should be going on this prayer walk this afternoon. Huh. You know what I'm saying? Sun shining, chatting back down to the park. And No. Bun the picnic. Should be going out on this march, right? I mean, again, that's... And I'm saying, that's works. Like, no, like, I've been, recon- you and I have been reconciled to God. It's not, you must do this and you must do that. And it's like, oh, man, I'd rather, I'd actually rather do something. And Pastor E mentioned it. You know what I'm saying? He's like, boy, I ain't really trying to go on no marching today. Not to, what, today? It's not a work day. And the sun is shining. You know what I'm saying? But hear what I'm saying. Like, if you really catch this justification that comes by faith and grace, you know what I'm saying? It's like, wow, I get the privilege of being able to go on that. I get the privilege of being able to, what, read the Bible? It's a privilege for me to find five minutes in my day and just go in the toilet at work or whatever and just go and pray. You know what I'm saying? Because I've got access to God now. Whereas I didn't even realize I never had access to God. I thought me and God was cool until I was like, what? Ju- judgment. What is imp- it's appointed unto man wants to, what Hebrews 9, 27? Judgment. You know what I mean? And then you're like, wow. I don't know if I'm, if I'm helpfully making a point. <laughs> okay, amen, amen. Being justified. So, <clears throat> so, so can you see now part of the active response now as opposed to just the, 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 the passive response? Peace is passive, but now there's this active response. You know what I'm saying? If 
You've re- if, if I've really been justified, you know what I mean? And it's not, a, it's not I have to do, it's I get to do. Wow. You know what I mean? And when you understand that, you see, you're beginning to understand the grace of God. You know what I'm saying? You're understanding what it means to be empowered by grace. Why do we repent? Because God's coming after you with a big stick? No. Fundamentally, because the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads to repent. It's when you realize, boy, wow. These are some of the marks of the justified. Prayer, fellowship, like D said, coming together like was that convicting how are you not gonna how are you gonna say you love jesus and you don't love his bride well loving the bride of christ other believers is consistent with your justification and i'm saying it's you just saying you know what it's you just being honest and saying other people actually they're just like me sinners you know what I'm saying? When we're like, well, I don't really need to mix with nobody. And you know what? I don't really like them people. And it, that's really the truth. I don't really like my man. I don't really like my girl in a car. You know what I mean? That, you see, that's me thinking that I'm better than anybody. When I really need to, I need to just say, I'm a, like, you lot are all sinners. And it's not me pointing a finger at you. It's me identifying and saying, you know what? This is the best place for me to be. The best place for me to be is around people that are like me, who have come to that place of humility in recognition of their weakness, in recognition of the fact that I can't keep God's law, in recognition of the fact that I deserve judgment. Me mixing with people like that is a blessing because together what we do is we glorify God in that recognition. Now that we've been declared righteous, These are the fruits or the mark of a righteous life, a life of repentance and faith. Hebrews 11 says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, Noah built an ark. When you say you've got faith, there will be an outworking of that faith. You know what I'm saying? It will be plain to see is what James is saying. Faith without works is dead. Genuine faith has fruit. Look at another set of marks of justification and then we're done. Romans 5 says, through him we have also obtained access, there's the access, by faith into this grace in which we stand. And notice some of the things we do. We, what? We rejoice. These are the marks. In hope of the glory of God. Remember, we just said we fall short of the glory of God. Now, all of a sudden, we're rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. That is, remember... Falling short of the glory of God is falling short of God's perfect standards. Because of Jesus now, we're actually going to not only be with God when we die, not separated from him. We're going to be like him, it says in John. When we see him, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. And, we, and, and that's future, so we rejoice because hope is future. But we can rejoice at that hope. More than that, we rejoice, oi, in our sufferings. Now, that's present tense, isn't it? 
but you can rejoice in the present if you know what's coming in the future. Amen? Now, that may not be your practice consistently and perpetually, but the more you, you know, someone says that, you know, this is sanctification going through the difficult times, right? Someone says that a, a, a genuine understanding of sanctification comes with a better understanding of justification. When you understand that you've been justified, then that, that carries you through the suffering. Car, you got hope in the future that is to come. So you, you, get, you get the quick maths. Two plus two is four, minus. Quick maths. Right. Rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces... It. Oh, there's, there's, more to, there's more to the suffering. It produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. I can't tease it all out. Verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, that's another passive response. The Holy God pouring his love into our hearts, I'm not doing anything. God's doing that. But there needs to be something that comes out as a result of that. My sister's nodding. You're with me, sis? Jeez, I, I feel you. you know what I, mean? I can tell you're feeling this. You know what I mean? But I'm feeling your response to this. God's word is good, man. God pours his love in, and then we pour his love out in the direction of others. Justification. I mean, there's a whole heap more to say. I mean, not that I planned and prepared a whole heap more. Um, but lastly, how can, as we're finishing, how can a person be justified before God? Abraham, this is how you get justified. Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Romans 4 says, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for what? For our justification. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.